Our scripture today is from Esther 7, uh, 1 to 10. I'll read. So the king and Haman went in to feast with Queen Esther. And on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king asked again to Esther, What's your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted to you. And what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I had found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleased the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have been silent. For our affliction is not to be compared with the loss of the king. Then the king, Alcerius, said to, the, to Queen Esther, Who is he and where is he who has dared to do this? And Esther said, A foe and an enemy. This wicked Haman, the Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And the king rose in his wrath from the wine drinking and went into the palace and garden. But Haman stayed to beg for his life from Queen Esther, for he saw that harm was determined against him by the king. And the king returned from the palace garden to the place where they were drinking wine. As Haman was falling on the coach where Esther was, and king said, Will he even assault the, the queen in my presence, in my own house? As the word left the mouth of the king, they covered Haman's face. Then Harbona, one of the eunuchs in the attendance of the king, said, Moreover, the gallows that Haman has prepared for Mordecai, whose word saved the king, is standing at Haman's house, 50 cubits high. And the king said, Hang him, hang him on that. So they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then the wrath of the king abated. That's the word of God. Hey, thanks for reading that, Mike. Um, that was Esther chapter 7, verses 1 through 10, but that's actually the entire chapter You know, I think in a lot of ways that narrative is, is pretty clear, right? It's pretty clear what happened. Um, but there's so much, uh, there's so much to glean and take from that passage today. Um, you know, just to, just to recap uh, the story, we've been going through the book of Esther for the past, I don't know, how, how many months? Uh, it was before Easter, um, and here we're in chapter 7. Uh, and the characters that we see uh, today, we, we see Esther. We see the king of Persia. Sometimes he's referred to as uh, Ahasuerus, if I'm saying that right. Sometimes he's referred to as King Xerxes. And there's Haman. Uh, a person that we don't see in this chapter is Mordecai. Um, and the way that he comes into the picture is he is actually, he's Esther's 
cousin. He's actually the person that raised Esther from her youth because her parents, uh, her parents died. Like we, we don't know exactly, we don't know exactly what happened. Uh, Esther was an orphan and cared for by her cousin Mordecai. Uh, and, and Mordecai was somehow involved in, in, in the kingdom. He had some kind of a position there. But Haman was the king's, like, number, I don't know how you say it, number one guy or number two guy? The king's number one guy, number two in the kingdom, right? Haman was like, he had established himself as, like, the, the top guy. And, and Mordecai refused to bow to Haman. Okay, so I'm going to try to recap some of the story. Now, Haman was this man who had spent his entire life uh, working so hard to earn honor, to earn his position and his power, and he, had, and he was succeeding. He actually, he had succeeded in this endeavor, but man, he couldn't enjoy it because there was one man who would not bow to him, and it was Mordecai, and he was so infuriated by this, by Mordecai, you know, kind of like in these gang movies, not only, not only kill you, not only your family, Haman's like, I'm going to kill the entire people. And so that was his plan. And so up until chapter seven, this is what's going on. The king approved of this plan and it was going to, it was going to happen like very soon. And so Esther She's brought to this position, like she's the queen of Persia, but really that, like, that's not really a whole lot of power in that position, in that culture. You know, but she has an opportunity to have an audience before the king. Uh, but if in, the, in these days, if the king doesn't invite you into his presence, you're, you're not allowed to go. This is like ultimate control, ultimate, like, man, it's like, it's kind, of, it's kind of scary if you think about it. And, 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 and Esther's saying, when she heard about the news, what was going to happen to the Jewish people, she's like, man, the king hasn't even called me in for like the past month. Like, he, there's no chance he's going to call me in. And if I try to go to see him, I'm risking my life, literally, because that's the law. You don't go to the king unless he calls for you, right? And Mordecai's like, hey, if you, if you stay silent, God's going to come in some way, but who knows that you came into this position, but for a time such as this. And Esther gathers, I don't know if it's courage, if it's faith, if it's like, oh my, like, and she says, okay, Mordecai, get all the people to pray and to fast, and I will go. I'm going to talk to the king. If I perish, I perish. And so Esther has this audience with the king, and she wins favor with the king, so much so that the king is like, hey, whatever you want, whatever your wish, up to half my kingdom, I'm going to give it to you because, man, you're, just, you're so awesome, Esther. And Esther pleads for her life and for the life of her people. But it's not a good day for Haman. <laughs> if I, if this was funny, then Haman would be like Wiley Coyote. If this was a Warner Brothers cartoon, which, by the way, like I, I was gonna show it, but I was like, man, they're funny, but they're really <laughs> kind of violent too. Um, 
But if you guys know, Wiley e. Coyote, he chases after Roadrunner. He sets up these elaborate plans, and every single time, you know, he, he sets up a boulder on the top of a on the top of a cliff. Roadrunner's coming, meet me, is coming, and then Wiley e. Coyote is gonna push the boulder onto Roadrunner. And I don't know one of these examples. Like so, instead of the boulder falling, like the cliff falls. I don't know. It's always something like really ridiculous. But whatever the elaborate plan that the coyote has to capture uh, the Roadrunner. Wily Coyote gets trapped in his own trap, right? If you saw this or not in our reading, Haman gets trapped in his own trap. I think the day before, something like that, very recently, the week before, Haman is so angered by Mordecai, again not bowing to him, that he builds some kind of gallows, some kind of a structure to execute Mordecai. And it's not just any kind of execution. It said, what did it say? It said, uh, did it say 50 cubits? Whatever the unit was, um, geez, 75 feet. Like that's like, that's huge. And that he was planning to put on display Mordecai. This is what happens when you don't bow to me. This is the trap that Mordecai had laid Sorry, this is the trap that Haman had laid for Mordecai. And Haman gets, he, he winds up getting trapped in his own trap. When we first started this series of Esther, we talked about how there's different, um, uh, uh, different uh, themes that go throughout the book, you know, that God's name is never mentioned, and yet he is sovereign and he is playing this this unseen part in in arranging and, and and moving through circumstances and one of the one of the themes was this idea of the absurdity of evil and Haman in so many ways embodied this absurdity of evil So Haman in this story, he represents evil. Now, friends, if you know this or not, evil, receiving punishment, is justice. God loves justice. And, man, that is a good thing. God loves justice. He doesn't love punishment, but he loves justice and God is good and he hates evil now in our 21st century taste buds I think we don't really like that idea and I feel like it doesn't really resonate that much with us like oh, I hate evil oh. like I, I feel like this is just completely my opinion but I feel like we have this growing trend to glorify or to exemplify the bad guys. A lot of popular movies, not just now, but I mean, it's, it, it's not that it's like brand new now, but I feel like just so much more mainstream where we celebrate the bad guys. You know, movies like, like they're silly, but Venom, did anyone see that movie, Venom? Marvel movie, no one saw it. Oh man, you guys. Okay, so I'm not talking about you guys, but Venom, he's like this character who eats people and he's somehow a hero. It's like, what? 
you know, and then there's the whole, like, the, the was it, what's the movie? Harley Quinn, Joker, what was that one? Suicide Squad, okay? And these are both kind of comic book movies. But you, you kind of get what I'm saying, right? Like, there's this idea that we make bad guys into heroes. Now, I want to say, like, on some level, maybe psychologically, like, it's, maybe it's a good thing to understand that bad people, villains, like, they're people. You know, and in some way to be able to identify with them. It's not like, I'm a good guy, that's a villain. Uh, so in some way, like I think, that, I haven't seen it, but like the, the recent movie Joker. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix. Okay, you know what? I haven't seen the movie. I shouldn't talk about it. <laughs> um, but kind of like understanding that situations of people, like people become this, you know, evil person because of like, you know, their life has affected them somehow. So, you know, in some ways, like, it's good because we're like, man, you know, not everyone lived a good life. Not everyone received love. Not everyone. And so, and so people are affected, right? So I think in some way, there's something good. Okay, cool. Identify uh, with the bad guy. But at the same time, I think we have the tendency of whitewashing evil, of making excuses for evil and for treating evil as though it's not evil. Haman deserved punishment. And, and, I, and I think also, like, we don't really like the idea of punishment. I don't know, I don't know if you guys are thinking like, like I am, but I think these days, like, we don't really like the idea of punishment. We would rather, like, rather than embrace justice, you know, like, we think, like, man, man punishment is, 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 it's harsh. No, no one deserves, no one deserves that kind of punishment. Like, aren't we advanced society where we can, like, I don't know, like. But see, the book of Esther, in chapter 7, what we have read today, it reminds us that evil deserves punishment. In fact, evil deserves death. Evil must die. That's justice. Now in this story, as we read it and as we're Thinking about it right now, if you're the type of person that tries to identify yourself with one of the characters in the story, I want to push us to see that we are Haman. You know, I was, I was apprehensive about preaching this passage today. I mean, I was like, when I read it, I was like, oh man, what like... And, and this is my taste bud also, and this is why like, I, I struggled so much. Like, I, don't, I don't like the idea of God punishing to death. I don't like the idea of the loving God killing, right? I mean, it's like one of his commandments. He says, thou shalt not kill. So why would God do that? And I'm reminded again, sober reminder no, John, you don't get it, man. Evil deserves 
punishment. And you might ask yourself today, like, man, how much, to what degree do you agree with that statement? And I've seen, you know, I've watched, like, YouTube videos, people talking and, and, and sharing their opinions. And I see, like, and I, you know, read, read stuff. You read, like, the, the comments and stuff. And, man, how, how many ways that people will kind of curtail that question now, you know, I don't, I don't believe in evil. You know, evil is just a construct of society. You know, it changes randomly. Now, you know, I, I, I believe in tolerance and acceptance. I believe in embracing people. Everybody's different. Everything's just relative. You know, like, all of these different kind of ideas that curtail. Yeah, yeah, but what about evil? But why do people do that? Why do people, why do people kind of curtail the question? Is it because they are so compassionate? Is it, is it because they are, like, they, they love all people so much? Like, I don't, I don't care if, you know, you've done these kinds of things. Like, we just love, we just kind of love, right? Is it that or is it because actually, like, we, we, we hope that we, everyone's going to be graded on a curve? Or like we don't want accountability. And you know, for sure, I, like if you've heard it, if you've said it, if you've thought it, you know, this idea like, man, I don't want to believe in a God who punishes people and damns them to hell just because they don't believe in him. And I get it, but again, what over and over, like what we, what we fail to do is we don't see what evil is. We don't see the weight and the seriousness of evil, of this, of the, of the weight of offense, and we don't get the, what righteousness is demands of evil there's a quote that i pulled from uh, christianity today and it said it said guilt matters guilt must always matter unless guilt matters the whole world is meaningless like unless guilt unless unless people are held accountable, then, like, nothing matters, man. You just do whatever, right? So in this story, Haman was executed and displayed on a 75-foot wooden beam. It's our, our translation today, the English Standard Version, it said gallows. Uh, and when you think about a gallows, you're, you're probably thinking about a wooden structure with a, a cross beam with a rope tied around it and a noose and being hung from that noose, right? It's very unlikely that that's how it was in Persia. 
the word in Hebrew uh, that, that is translated into gallows in our English Standard Version is, is a word that can be translated to tree or wood. And so what we know for sure is that Haman was somehow hanged or displayed on a 75-foot wooden beam or structure. And this was justice. Evil was punished. And God rescued the people of Israel through this. And see, the awesome thing about this is that this story of justice, of mercy and rescue of God for his people, it points us forward to the ultimate rescue of God's people. When God himself was born into our world, into our history, in Jesus Christ. And so Jesus, right, he lived this life in perfect righteousness, in perfect love, in perfect obedience. And because of this perfect love, and obedience, and compassion. Because of these things, because Jesus was God, Jesus was executed and displayed, nailed to a tall wooden beam. It was for justice. It was to punish evil. It was to rescue And it's because as Jesus hung upon the cross, he took upon himself, he took into himself the sins of the world. Like, not just in a figurative kind of way, like, he took into himself, and and for us, like, think about it, like, your sin and my sin, your lust, my lust, your greed, my greed, our impatience, our lashing out at friends and parents and our kids, our perversions, our, our, our laziness, our carelessness, our hatred, our racism, our sexism, our ignorance. Jesus took all of these things into himself. It says that he who had no sin became sin you and I friends we are Haman and so what I'm not saying I'm not saying that you know you and I that we represent evil okay I'm not saying that I'm not saying that you and I are the embodiment of evil so okay cool I'm not saying that right but what I am saying is that you and I deserve punishment. The Bible says it like very clearly. It tells, it tells us that we were enemies of God. And maybe some of us here are still enemies of God. in our attempt to usurp God and his position and who he is, 
that we try to place ourselves to be gods of our own lives. Living and doing whatever is right in our own eyes. I think that's a very profound definition of sin and evil. We just do whatever is right in our own eyes. We just do whatever I can, you know, whatever I can get away with. Whatever, like, whatever is right in my own eyes. And the reality is that your sin, my sin, deserves punishment. The wages of sin is death. Have you thought much about your sin? You know, for sure there's an unhealthy way to do that. And I'm not, I do not want us to start being like piling upon ourselves. Because whatever it is, Jesus crosses higher. However deep and heavy the sin is, his love is deeper still. But have we thought about the weight of our sin? You know, I got a good glimpse, and it was through several seasons, but, but really one season in particular, man, I got, I got a glimpse of the depth, the disgustingness of my sin. I got a glimpse of the depravity the things that I am capable of doing, like I, 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 got, I got a glimpse of it, where I began to really hunger for, desire things that were despicable, where my heart was leaning more and more and more to try to satisfy that appetite by doing things and like, I saw, I, 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 yeah, I'm, like, I'm, I'm capable of doing worse things than I am even aware. Like, I, I, I got a glimpse of that. Like, that's the, that's the, that's the reality of who I am. Like that's in me. This is, the, this is the reality of the evil that is in me. Let me, let me lighten it up a little bit. I got, I got, a, I got a real example for you. It's, it's, it's kind of silly. I was, driving one, I was driving a road trip with some friends late night. I don't remember where we were going somewhere, going home. It was late night. I'm, 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 from, uh, I'm from Missouri. That's the Midwest of the United States. A lot of country area kind of. And, and I don't remember if it was like, Cornfield, no, you know, I think we were driving through a wooded area, like driving through a long, like forested area. Middle of the night, no cars, pitch black. Me, got a bunch of friends in the car. And I don't know, man, like I just wanted to be cool. Like somehow I wanted to be seen as cool and like edgy. And, you know, I'm driving down this, this small two-lane road faster than, probably faster than I should, right? And I start 
every five minutes, like swerving, like, and my friend's like, what are you doing, man? And I was like, dude, I'm bored. I want to, I'm just trying to run over all the animals that I see on the road. Like I was trying to run over the raccoon or the squirrels aren't out at night, right? Maybe. I don't know. But there's like a lot of animals on this road in this wooded area. And every time I saw one, I was trying to hit it. Now me on a normal day, like I love animals. I don't want to kill animals. But it's weird. Something in me, I'm like, because I'm bored, I'm going to do this? What do, you, what, do you, what do you and I do when we're bored in a different way? When we're lonely? When we're depressed? When we're feeling misunderstood? When we're you know, fill in the blank. It's, it's weird. But listen, like I know, for me, I know, man, there were things that I was like so close to doing that would have destroyed my heart and my, life, my mind, my soul in, in all kinds of different ways, but not only me, but so many other people. And every one of us made in the image of God. Image bearers of the one Image bearers of God who we are supposed to love and honor and protect. And so like with that, we're, we're, getting, we're getting even closer. We're getting closer to the nature of the evil of sin because every sin is done against God himself. It's against his holiness, against his majesty, against his love. Every sin is against God himself. And so as we have stood as enemies of God, deserves punishment, deserves his wrath. Now let me say it again. God loves justice. And just as we saw in the book of Esther, God brings justice, and through that he rescues. God in righteousness right now, today, in righteousness and in holiness, will bring justice. He has brought justice. How did he do it? Did he do it through holy wars? Did he do it by destroying like all peoples that are evil? We already said it, but no, he destroys evil in Jesus. See, you and I are Haman in the story, but here's the greatest twist in the story. 
okay? In the story that's bigger than the book of Esther, but Jesus becomes Haman. That's, that's, that's the twist, man. Jesus becomes Haman for us. Even though Jesus lived this life of perfect obedience and love and compassion, this Jesus was accused, he was falsely tried, sentenced to the most painful and humiliating executions that the Romans had, raised up high, hung and executed on a wooden tree for everyone to see. And the people shook their heads. They threw mocks at Jesus. They, they booed at him. Jesus became Haman for us. And in his death, the punishment and wrath that evil deserves is satisfied in Christ. We didn't sing this song today, but if you guys know the Chris Tomlin song, He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so amazing. This love so amazing. See, the nails... If you've heard this before, man, it's beautiful. The nails didn't hold Jesus to that cross. It was love. Love for God, love for justice, love for you, for me. This is the wondrous mystery that we sang about earlier. It's a wondrous mystery. It's like, man, what? how does it work? Why? Like... But it is revealed to us in his word, in history, in the testimony of his church, in your testimony and mine. The death that our sin and the evil deserves was accomplished through Jesus. This thing isn't, it isn't a free pass. This Christian thing isn't a free pass. No, Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid it all. Jesus can forgive us our sins because he paid the penalty that was due for our sins. And that's why we boil the gospel down here. Like we boil the gospel down to Jesus lived the life that you and I could not live and he died the death that we deserved, right? We have forgiveness, we have acceptance, we have all of this because Jesus paid it all. 
your sin, my sin, it deserved, it deserved a punishment. The word says it deserves death. And Jesus forgives us because he paid it all. So how will we respond? This is so important. You know, I was going to talk to you guys. I was going to share this thing like theological concept, and now I'm doing it. <laughs> I was going to. I'm doing it now. There's a word, propitiation. Can you say it with me? Propitiate. No, let me, let me do it again. Propitiation. I did it real bad. Propitiation. It's a big uh, theological word, theological concept. And you know what? In a lot of ways, like in some um, church denominations, it's kind of being challenged in different ways. But what it means is... Uh, to be satisfied. And what it's referring to is the wrath, the wrath of God that sin deserves. The wrath of God that sin deserves is satisfied in Christ, in the cross. I just threw that. I'm like, I just threw that out there, and, I, and now I'm done. I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna leave it there. <laughs> um, how do we respond? The reason, that, like, I want to say this, like, our improper understanding. It's, it's like our improper understanding of these things. We say, okay, God is love, so He just forgives me. Cool. Improper understanding makes us start to think that we deserve it, that we are entitled to it, that it's just whatever. Man. Jesus paid his. He paid. He paid with his life so that we could have it. It wasn't free. It doesn't cost you anything. doesn't cost me anything, but it was not free. And we've got to, we've got to like have that and hold that in, in us because like otherwise we just, start, we just start living kind of like entitled or, or just taking, taking God and his grace like way too lightly, right? Okay, but how else? How do we respond? Friends, if anyone here is living in sin, you know, 1 John 3, 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. 1 Thessalonians 5 tells us to abstain from every form of evil. Acts 3.19 says, Repent, therefore, and turn again that your sins may be blotted out. John 8.24, Jesus warns, I told you that you would die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am he, that's the Messiah, you will die in your sins. Friends, if you are living in sin, if you have not repented, 
and received the forgiveness that only Jesus' work on the cross can give you, then would you please hear this today? Jesus stands ready to forgive you. He has paid for your forgiveness. He has paid for your life for all of eternity. Jesus stands ready to forgive you. Whatever degree you think you've lived, some of us, the problem is we've lived pretty good. And that's the problem because we want credit for the good thing that we've done. And others of us are like, man, I, dude, John, you, you don't know, man. You don't know the stuff that I've done, the things, the thoughts that I have, the stuff that's lingering. Like, you don't know. Your good works are not enough to pay for the debt that your sins deserve. The cross is better, is deeper, is higher than anything, any shame that we've ever done. Jesus has paid in full if you will repent and receive him. It's wide open. You don't have to do something first. You don't have to try to, okay, okay, let me, let me just do this thing. Let me, let me feel like I earn it. Like, don't, don't do it. Receive him. Come, repent, and receive him. Because listen, and I say this with as much love as, as I can, because Jesus warns us with his perfect love. Jesus stands ready to forgive you. It's wide open, but guys, one day, it will be too late. There will be a day when it is too late. And for Haman, it was that night. God's grace is infinite to cover over every conceivable evil, every conceivable evil thing. But you do not have forever to finally decide to accept it. If that is you, please, Repent and receive him today. If that is you, man, come find me, Pastor Sangmin, and let's talk after service. Let's pray. Let's repent and receive Jesus. If you have received Jesus... If he is your king, he is your savior, he is your Lord, may we hear this from today's sermon. One, the weight of our sin. Just remember again, it deserves death. And Jesus paid for it. And that is secure. That is ours. So let us live. Let us live in this truth. Let us live in this truth. Let us live 
with courage, with hope. We know that Jesus is victorious. He's reigning in power, and we are his people. Let us live in courage, courageous giving, courageous compassion, courageous kindness, courageous forgiveness. Can we hear that today? And I'll leave it, I'll leave it with that, okay? We'll end with that today. And let's, if I want to invite us to, to go to God, to go in prayer. Have you felt the weight of your sin recently? Have you felt the weight of the evil that is in you? If you're feeling that even a little bit this afternoon, would you all the more feel the weight of his glory, the weight of his love? the infinite measure of his forgiveness and his grace. We thank you, Jesus, that you paid it all. We thank you, Jesus, that you became Haman for us to give us 